Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, sometimes knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and a little bit about keeping a cozy, organized home. You can find me on my blog, Simple Handmade Everyday, and on Instagram at Kristen Esser. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 28. Hi, how have you been? It's been a couple weeks since my last podcast, and what's been going on? Well, Mother's Day was uh, last weekend, and that was very nice. I hope if you were celebrating Mother's Day, it was nice for you as well. It turned out that two of my my two college kids uh, were not able to come home. It just didn't work out with the way Easter was and midterms and all that. And um, my high schooler that's at home was studying for his AP bio test. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a quiet Mother's Day. But I will take it because the last two Mother's Days um, in a row were a little bit cursed. Did I talk about that last podcast? I don't think so. Suffice to say, Chloe's freshman year of, of college, she came home for Mother's Day and everyone got the stomach flu and it was just, it was not a good weekend. <laughs> and then last year, my husband had a, like a, I don't know, a neck injury and he was flat on his back and a lot of pain. And so it, it was, the last, last two were not, not good. So my expectations were low, um, but it was just, it was a very nice day. My husband and I actually went for a hike in the morning, which was very nice. And they made me a nice dinner that evening. So it was all, all good. It was a beautiful day. I was able to spend some time, um, binding a quilt last year for mother's day. I got this awesome, uh, a swing chair. It's like this egg-shaped swing chair that's uh, part of our patio furniture now. Best Mother's Day present ever. And I was able to sit out there with a little cocktail and doing my hand binding. And that was lovely. I finally watched uh, a movie that I've been wanting to watch forever while I was binding. I'm still not binding, done binding that quilt. I've got just like 12 inches to go or something. But I saw the... Um, I watched on Netflix, I guess, The 100-Foot Journey, which has Helen Mirren in it as a French woman, restaurateur, who um, there is a, an Indian family that moves into a restaurant space across the street from her very fancy uh, Michelin star rated restaurant, and um, she's not happy about it. And so it's all about all the things that unfold because of that. And I've, I've been wanting to watch it for years. It's not a new movie. And I knew I would love it. And I did. So I was just, that was my little treat to myself. I just sat there um, while people were doing other things and, and was able to bind my quilt and, and watch that movie. So it was great. Um, what else has been going on? Oh, you know what I meant to tell you last podcast and I didn't is that I got the opportunity to meet... Uh, an Instagram friend or an online uh, sewing friend in real life. So um, that was super fun. And when I told my son that I'm going to go have coffee with a friend that I met online, he said, I'm pretty sure you have told us not to do that for our entire lives. I'm like, I know it sounds so risky, doesn't it? But um, I got together with Susan from The Felted Pear. If you've never um, if you don't follow her, if you've never seen her work, you need to. I'll put a link in the show notes to her Instagram profile. Um, she just makes adorable things. She's a very talented quilter. She makes tons of little zipper pouches, and she actually gave me one. Um, I need to, I, I'm going to do, I think, that in my stories. If, if I get a chance to take a picture, I will, which is very, very nice. I don't have that many friends who 
so in real life. So as it turns out, we, we found out we lived really close to each other. And we were able to meet at this adorable little coffee place that was 10 minutes for her from her and 10 minutes from me. So it worked out really well. And so which means I guess we're about 20 minutes away from each other. And um, we were just able to talk about sewing and quilting and the industry and family and um, the fires. She was right more in the path of the fires that we had all all in the fall. Um, and so that was, you know, an interesting story. Um, luckily that, that worked out okay for them, but so many other people it didn't. So yeah, it was just, it was just really fun. We just like, were able to talk like we've always known each other and I hope that we get to do it again. So, um, have you ever done that? Have you met people in real life that you have known online? The only other two, I met Frances Dowell one time when I, uh, for work, traveled to her part of the world, part of the country. And that also was a kind of a situation where we met for dinner and we were just kind of just talk like we'd always known each other. And also when I got to meet Holly and Knight over at String and Story, um, QuiltCon before last. And I think that's really it. Um, you know, of people I've like set up times to actually meet them. And I don't know, it's that the internet is such a wonderful way to find your tribe, you know, for, for, I just, I look back, you know, if I was doing this, would I even be sewing in this way if it weren't for the internet? I'm not even sure. But how many of those women in the 70s and 80s and 90s were just stitching away thinking that, you know, they didn't know anybody else that really did this. And it's just, it's so fun um, for all the bad things that the internet and social media do, it definitely is so good at connecting people with, with similar interests. So I'm just so grateful. And, um, I had so much fun and I hope we get to do it again sometime. Oh, let's talk about the tea. I almost forgot to talk about the tea, which should have gone with my little mother's day thing because Chloe actually had tea sent to me back when she, um, was coming home from Norway and she did a little European tour. She picked up Royal Blend Tea from Fortnum and Mason. And I've talked about it on this podcast before saying it was the best tea I've ever had. It's just, it's a very simple blend. It was blended for, I'm going to look, it's like King Edward in like the 18, 1902. Um, and I love it. And I kind of flew right through it. I have put a link in the show notes before on Amazon, but it's kind of hard to find. It doesn't seem to always be available. And frankly, it's a little pricey there. But, um, you know, if you must have the Fortnum and Mason, Fortnum and Mason, it's a little hard to say, Royal Blend, that's the way to do it. But she found it at Williams Sonoma and had some sent to me. So I've got a new tin and the tins are beautiful. So that's really fun. Um, so that's what I'm drinking is the Royal Blend. And thanks to Fat Quarter Shop for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Fat Quarter Shop is a one-stop show for quilting fabrics and supplies for quilters around the world. They stock quilt shop quality fabrics, pre-cuts, quilt kits, patterns, and notions. Did you know that they now carry cross-stitch supplies? They're always coming up with exciting new exclusives, clubs, and quilt-along programs. Join Fat Quarter Shop for the 12th Annual Designer Mystery Block of the Month Club. The club features the collection Orchard by April Rosenthal and begins in June. Fat Quarter Shop carries all major brands like Moda, Riley Blake, Wyndham, Robert Kaufman, and Art Gallery Fabrics with the largest selection of Fat Quarter Bundles. Whatever fabric, pattern, or notion you're looking for, chances are they'll have it. Visit them at fatquartershop.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. OK, 
Okay, let's talk quilting. I am so excited to tell you that I have a couple of finishes. Hooray, hooray. Sometimes I feel like I just keep talking about the same projects over and over. And in fact, I am going to keep talking about a couple of the projects I've talked about because I finally finished them. The first one that I want to talk about is the Prairie Sisters Table Runner. I think I've dragged you through two or three previous episodes of trying to figure out what to do with that project, but I finally figured it out. So, inspired by um, the Material Girl Quilts quilt that I saw, that's that's her Instagram handle, I don't know her name off the top of my head, um, I did this combination of large flying geese and small flying geese, and I sewed them up and I trimmed them up with my block, block, block lock ruler. And um, I just thought that I would play with it on my design wall and come up with a, an arrangement of, um, you know, like maybe six or eight flying geese in a row and then some space and then some more and they're maybe going different directions. So there's negative space, there's different sizes because I'd seen this quilt that was really cool and I thought, how hard could that be? I could not get an arrangement that I was happy with on the design wall. So this was like haunting me. I'm just like, why is this not working for me? And then I don't know why it took me so long to do this, but I just sat down and I, I just created it in EQ and laid it out. And that was such an easier way to move blocks around and get the spacing that I wanted that I literally had it done in like five minutes once I just did it on the computer because it just, it, I don't know, I could just see the whole thing at once. So so I took a day last week. I did that like sort of first thing in the morning. And, um, you know, I work part-time. I'm a marketing consultant and I, I uh, build websites for clients. But I just took a whole day and sewed that up. And so I, I laid it out in the morning. The The components were built, like the, the flying geese were built. As a matter of fact, they were already sort of sewn together in various groupings that I had to unstitch once I, you know, got my final design. And it was my goal to have it completely done and bound by the end of the day. So by lunchtime, I had the quilt top done. I pieced a back by just taking all the leftover background fabric that I had, which was like Moda 98, 97 and 98 are my two favorite Moda colors of, of uh, white or a little bit off-white. And I was just going to make it, it's a table, it's going to be a table runner, so I'm not going to flip it over. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the back, and white fabric is, the, is cheap. So I didn't have quite enough, so I was able to take two fat quarters that I had left over and just put them on each end, and so it was just, you know, one long piece of fabric, and I even cut the batting. So by lunchtime, that part was done. I was still mentally thinking, what are you going to do about the quilting? Um, so after lunch, I spray basted it. I'm still thinking, what am I going to do? I'm texting friends. I'm like, I don't know. Um, so I decided on organic wavy line quilting. At first, I thought that seemed a little uninspired, a little cheating. I thought about doing all this kind of grid stuff. And then um, a friend suggested not only organic wavy lines, but ones that kind of overlap a little bit. So I'm like, okay, that's a little more interesting. So I start in the middle and I do a few of those wavy lines and they're overlapping. And within, so this thing is 18 inches wide and 72 inches long. After about three trips down, because I'm doing it long wise, um, so that the lines are going in sort of the same direction as the, the flying geese, I realize I do not like the way 
that it looks overlapping. So I just kept going with organic wavy lines. You know, I started in the center. I just went all the way to the right, flipped around, went all the way to the left and thought maybe by the time I'm done, I won't mind that there are some overlapping ones in the middle. Do you think that was the case? Of course not. <laughs> no, I hated those. And so I just sat down with a seam ripper and an episode of The Fix or a million little things or something and picked out. I thought I could just pick out two lines, just two where they overlapped. But you know, when you're picking out quilting lines where they overlap, sometimes you can kind of, pardon the pun, lose the thread of which line is which. So I, then I'd accidentally start picking out the wrong line. So then I just had to pick them all out. So I picked out about three of those and then just went back. I like, I ironed it and steamed it to get rid of all the the little holes from where the stitches were and I was able to just fill in those last few lines. They're a little I I will admit that the the first lines I did were a little wavier than um I ended up with later. I kind of I forget this, but you don't have to move the foot very much to get a wavy line, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Anyone who's ever tried to quilt a straight line will tell you that it moving just a little bit makes it look like a wavy line. And I kind of forgot that at first. And I was a little like, woo, just a, a little too wavy, but it's all fine. It's all fine. And now I imagine that those wavy lines, that those stitching lines are like air currents that the geese are flying on. And that makes me very happy as an artist statement. <laughs> so that was very nice. I ended up doing, so I, I quilted it, trimmed it. I took scraps and I pieced together a scrappy binding um, and decided that I was going to um, machine bind it. I am a hand binder. So I, I, I sew it on by machine on the front and then hand stitch it on the back. But I was going to be done with this this day. And it's a table runner. It's going to be washed a lot. And it just seemed like that would be a good idea for it to be machine, bind, machine bound. And I could use some practice doing that. I knew that I had seen a tutorial that I'd wanted to try. I know there's a few different ways to do this. I think usually people stitch the binding onto the back, flip it to the front, and sort of top stitch it down. That sounds really scary to me because top stitching scares me, to be honest with you, because I just, I'm not that, I'm not that good. Um, so what I did is, well, first of all, I went to YouTube and I Googled machine binding and the first tutorial that came up was a fat quarter shop tutorial. And it, it, it was the one that I was thinking of. So you stitch it on the front, like you're going to hand stitch it on the back. And then you flip it over to the back and you, oh, okay. You normally, when you're going to hand stitch it, you just fold that up to your stitching line and you, and you hand sew it down. In this case, you want to pull it a little tighter, about an eighth an inch past the stitching line of where you had stitched it on the front. And then you pin the heck out of it because it's very, very important that it stays in the right place. So th that was the hardest part about the whole thing is just, is just pinning it all the way around and then dealing with it pinned. I will link the tutorial in the show notes. So it's pinned a little bit, an eighth of an inch past it all the way around. Then you put it, flip it back to the front and put it under your machine with the walking foot on and you stitch. Can I explain this? In the ditch right next to the binding. So you're stitching on the quilt, the, 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 the intersection of where the quilt and the binding start, right? Right in there. So you can barely see it, especially with mine, because the background fabric was white and Aurifil 2311 blends with everything. And so as you're doing that, as you're stitching right in the ditch, really tight, it should be 
you know, where the stitching should be stitching down that binding with about an eighth inch to spare on the back. And if you do it right, it looks really, really good. Now I'm not perfect, which is why, and you're doing it blind, right? So, so I got it off and I thought I had really just nailed it. And then I found like three places where I had, um, maybe not stayed as tight as I should have. And there's like three little parts that were not stitched down on the back, which, um, again, if it had been a quilt that I wanted to give away or something, then I would have been really unhappy with that. But it's the backside of a table runner for me. So I just hand stitched those down and called it a day and no one will ever know. But I was really glad to practice it. And I want to, I want to continue to practice, uh, to practice that and figure out, um, I think I just really need to stay tight in that ditch because that's how you make sure that you're catching the binding on the backside. So that was a really good, um, good experience. And I just, I finished the whole darn thing. <laughs> and then, and then it sat there for a week till I took pictures of it, which I did yesterday. And I posted on Instagram. Um, it is so hard to take a picture of a table runner because it's so long. I, I felt like I couldn't really get the whole thing in the picture. And, uh, so, you know, and then if someone was going to hold it up, you could totally see the person, you know, like not like a normal quilt holder thing. So anyways, it's done. I'm very happy with it. Um, my husband and Ben keeps when they walk in the kitchen say, oh, I really love that table runner. So I'm just really happy that it's done. And I'm really happy with how it came out. The other thing that I, well, that I'm 12 inches on binding um, away from being done with is the Irish chain quilt, which will be on a blog hop in June. So I'm going to wait till then to do the full reveal. But what's been fun about that project I mentioned it last time is that I had it long armed. Um, a, a podcast listener, um, Deanna Senzano, I hope I'm saying that right, contacted me and she has a long arm that she's doing edge to edge quilting on. And um, I'd never done it before. And I thought it seemed like the it was exactly the right quilt because I did, I wanted an all over design on it because I just wanted the, the, the quilting just sort of sink to the background. So you just really see the chaining. And so she sent me links to all kinds of designs to choose from. And I chose, I might be able to take a picture. I, I chose one that um, was a combination of kind of some swirls and kind of feathery type things. And it's just, it's a very nice, a little bit florally design and send it off to her she had it done in just a couple of days and back to me, and I could not love it more. I, I am so used to quilting my own quilts and getting things custom quilted that it was just, it was so fun to see how perfect a computer stitch is, you know? It was, as much as I do love the irregularities of handmade, it is just, you know, it's just perfection. And so that was a really fun experience. I will definitely send her quilts in the future. And uh, if you are interested in getting something long-armed by her, I will put her contact information in the show notes. She's got an Instagram account and a Facebook account. And I'll, um, I think I, we even decided we'd put her, her email address in there so you could contact her. Um, but she was very professional, did a gorgeous job, and kept me very in the loop about it. Sent me even a little video when she was stitching it out. And we went back and forth about um, the size of the motif to make sure that it wasn't too dense or too loose. And so just, you know, lots of really good um, communication, which was just excellent. So I loved every minute of that experience. And then that one, I also did scrappy binding. And you know what I'd forgotten about with scrappy binding? 
is that you really need to lay it out to make sure that you don't get any um, seams right in your corner. And darn it, if I did not do that. Uh, so one of the corners, I can't even remember if it's on the table runner or the quilt. I hope it's the table runner. No, it wouldn't have been. It was the quilt because it was me hand stitching it. It's totally jacked up because um, that seam is right there. And man, there was nothing I could do to fix that, which made me kind of mad. But um, anyways, that quilt, I'll get that photographed. And um, maybe I'll probably get Minky to photograph that because she is the best. So that's um, another quilt down that I'm super excited about. So what's coming up next for me is I've got a couple small projects for the Moda Bake Shop. I need to post uh, this on social media, but are you getting involved with the Summer Quilt Along? I am doing that. Um, I'm again one of the Summer Quilt Along chefs, which is super fun. Last year we did that, uh, what's it called, a medallion quilt that I ended up giving Chloe, and it was just so much fun. There is such a level of camaraderie with the Moda Bake Shop group. So there is, in case you don't, I mean, I'm sure... If you just go to motobakeshop.com, if you don't know what Motobakeshop is, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. But there is also a Facebook page for, it's called the Motobakeshop Bakers, for people who are just sewing those projects. And during the summer quilt along, it's mostly about the quilt along and people are just posting. I mean, there's just so many hundreds and thousands of people that do the Motobakeshop quilt along. It's so much inspiration, the colors, the choices people are making, how they're making a little bit different. Um, it's so much fun. So I do recommend you get involved with that if you're looking for a summer project. And um, so that's what, what else is going on? I'm going to get going on the Rooftop Wonders quilt finally, which is my first completely solids quilt. That's next on the list. I was so very pleased to uh, inform my youngest son because that's for him. But the other thing that I might get slightly distracted in doing is um, I might do a very simple quilt to put on the couch so uh, for, for the dog. <laughs> because it's so funny we when we got a new sofa a few years ago we decided the dog is not going to be on the sofa so he's not so he sits on another sofa which cost almost as much I don't know what we were thinking and then also a very expensive chair <laughs> he's got a dog bed but the cat is in that most of the time but anyways at some point I'm just like I need to put like a cute quilt down on this so that that because I feel like he's wearing his little little body and his pet hair this little spot in the sofa and I'm just like okay this is ridiculous so I think I'm gonna do maybe just like a whole cloth quilt I have this piece of French general fabric and maybe I'll practice some good quilting motifs I actually right now have laid down a bunch of my quilting practice sandwiches from a couple years ago when I did a bunch of um, pre-motion quilting as a series on the blog but they're like I used up all the ugly fabric in my stash to do that so it's it's not pretty <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good enough for the dog, but I don't enjoy looking at it when I walk by. So I think I need to make a dog quilt. So that is the other thing um, that's kind of on my list of things to do for now. Let's move on to talking about books. So since last we spoke, um, I finished that Agatha Christie, Murder at the Vicarage, which I very much enjoyed. Um, I'm not 100% sure I understand <laughs> Who did it? I know who did it, but it, it got a little complicated, but uh, that's okay. I don't read it to totally understand it. So I finished that. I'm still reading the Michelle Obama book. I don't know why that's taking me so long. Um, 
my husband came home from work yesterday and I was sitting out in the swing chair and he, you know, he kind of came out and said, how you do it? And I was like, I'm like, I just finished crying because I just got to the part where Michelle Obama's father had died and she just described it in such a beautiful and loving way. It just really got to me. So that's what um, I've been reading there, but I have a couple other kinds of things that I wanted to talk about. Um, on Mother's Day, I think it was, I got inspired to pull off the shelf a book that I've talked about before called The Gentle Art of Domesticity by Jane Brockett. Um, now, if you are a knitter at all, you might know Jane Brockett as the author of the blog Yarn Storm that was very popular. I don't think she has it going anymore. But this is a book not about cooking and cleaning, but about the domestic arts. So she knits, she quilts, she bakes, um, she, you know, decorates, things like that. And it is full of gorgeous pictures. And it's funny because her tastes are not my tastes at all. She's very much into big, bold colors. Most of her quilts are um, with cave facet fabrics, which is just not my thing. But I just appreciate what she, the, just her joy of, of doing these domestic arts and, and she takes beautiful photographs. So, um, it's just, I pull it out and just, I have, I've probably read it 20 times and you don't even have to read the whole thing. You know, I just kind of open it up and just read from wherever it lands. And so that was really fun. I kind of pulled that out on mother's day and was enjoying that, which then reminded me of the other end of the, the spectrum, which is a book called Home Comforts, The Art and Science of Keeping House by Cheryl Mendelson. Now, this book is, in fact, about almost the science of, of cleaning. So where Jane Brockett basically says, I don't like cleaning. I only keep things clean enough to be livable. This person, um, Cheryl Mendelson, she is all about just like the right way of keeping house. <laughs> And she had these two grandmothers that did it very differently. One was Italian and one was British. And their their approach to homemaking was, was very different. And so there's a lot of inspiration at the beginning, but also just sections. Um, here's a section on actually on cooking. I, you know, I, it's one of those books you can, again, just flip to. And it's, it's kind of like a, um, a manual and a reference for you know, what, here's a section that's called what goes in the pantry and what doesn't and a whole section on laundry and how to do it properly. And just, you know, it is just a, a homemaker's Bible. And so I pulled that out and started reading that. And I actually, in a lot of ways, I like to read the introductions of these because, um, I just, I like the way people talk about it and what inspires them to, to want to, you know, clean or, or homemake in, in these ways. And along those lines, a way more current book is one that I just got out of the library yesterday, and it's called Simply Clean um, by Becky Rappinchuk, and she is the founder of Clean Mama. Now, I've talked about Clean Mama on this podcast before. If you don't subscribe to her on Instagram, you might want to do that. I have kind of um, adopted her system for cleaning. So this says, the proven method for keeping your home organized, clean, and beautiful in just 10 minutes a day. And I, I'm not very far into this book, but I know I'm going to love it because I love Clean Mama. Uh, she's a little bit like the Fly Lady, only, you know, it's kind of a different take. And I kind of take from her what works and from the Fly Lady what works. Um, 
but I'm again, I love reading the introduction about how she used to clean people's houses when she was in college and, um, kind of looking forward to like, she's figured she was really honing some systems for when she had her own home. But, but when she did have her own home, she realized that it's very different. When you clean for someone else, you are laser focused, you are in and out. When you're cleaning your own house, there's a million other things to distract you and it's sort of never done. And so she just messed around. She's a woman after my own heart, just messed around with things till she found the system that worked for her. And so I've kind of been re-inspired. I'll talk about this a little bit at the at the homemaking section of the podcast today. I've been re-inspired to uh, revisit my routines and, and uh, try some different things because different things work at different seasons in your life. There was a time that I could never imagine that I'd be the type of person that would do one load of laundry a day. I have a very all or nothing personality. So moderation is kind of hard for me. So I was always a today is laundry day and I'm going to do it all day long till it's done. But let me just tell you, putting a load of laundry in, you know, in the morning and then moving it over to the dryer sometime during the day and then that evening folding it and putting it away. I don't know. It seems very easy to me now. And I'm just, I'm never behind. And that is, is like a really nice feeling for me. And I've kind of fallen back into not doing um, my regular cleaning routine during the week, which means I'm doing it on Saturdays. And I don't like that. And she talks about that in, in the book as she is was sort of researching how people, you know, kept their homes. Most people cleaned and did laundry and grocery shopped on the weekend and resented it. And amen to that. <laughs> you know, I, I don't like spending my Saturday doing that either. Especially, I mean, I can now because I'm, we're not going to, you know, 5,000 baseball games anymore. But I just think there's better ways to spend your weekend. So if you can just kind of squeeze it in, in your already busy day, it's like, you know, what's another 20 minutes to do a cleaning job on that day? It's just so that you can have a free Saturday. So anyways, I'm going to read this in more detail and um, probably talk about it again. But I'm really enjoying that right now. And because I've been doing so much uh, binding of quilts lately, I, of course, have um, watched some good TV shows that I'd like to pass on to you. The first one, which I cannot even stress strongly enough, is the Brene Brown Netflix series. You probably know who Brene Brown is. She is a researcher. She's written many books. She researches shame and vulnerability. How's that for a life's work? But actually, I think that especially women people in general, but women especially, we get very wrapped up in our own shame and being vulnerable. So she has a lot of really good things to say. And one of the, um, there's a couple key takeaways for, from that for me. And one of them was that she talked to people. Is this, yeah, I'm trying to remember, I might have this a little bit wrong. I want to say that she was talking to people who were dying and what they remembered and or, or what they would miss and it wasn't what you might think it wasn't the big vacations or the big landmark moments what was most important to people were the simple everyday routines the simple everyday moments the the family dinners you know the coffee in the morning with your significant other just things like that and i am all about just appreciating the everyday. And so that was like very, very reassuring to me. I just, I really loved to hear that. And then there's a, a fabulous story. You got to watch all the way to the end because the story at the end about her daughter at a swim meet is just, it's worth the whole thing. 
was my favorite story. So definitely check out the Brene Brown Netflix special. Um, the other thing that I watched that was, it was cute. It wasn't a, the movie of the year, but it was called Agatha and the Truth of Murder. And I happened upon this while I was reading the Agatha Christie book. And it's about, it's a fictionalized account of Agatha Christie, who apparently in real life went missing for 11 days and never really explained where she was or what happened. And so it was, it's an imagining of what happened during um, those 11 days. And it sort of inspires her, how she writes murder mysteries from from then on, the, the things that happened. So that was pretty cute. Um, speaking of cute, I also saw Christopher Robin because I am a Winnie the Pooh junkie. Um, I, I know Disney now owns Winnie the Pooh, but I've always, he was like my favorite stuffed animal. I decorated my nursery when I had kids with Winnie the Pooh. We had Winnie the Pooh prints on the walls. Loved Winnie the Pooh. I never really understand why people love Disney as much as they do, but I, I think I feel the way about Winnie the Pooh, the way people feel about Disney. So it was super cute. It's a combination of live action and, um, I don't know, what is it? I guess it's CGI or something. <laughs> I'm not even sure. But it, Ewan McGregor is Christopher Robin as an adult who has sort of, you know, lost his way in his, you know, imagination. And uh, Winnie the Pooh is there to remind him of, of his roots. It was just, you know, if I had little kids, I totally would have had them watch it. Nobody was interested in watching this <laughs> except for me. So that was kind of fun. And the other kind of... Um, weird one I watched was called Ladies in Lavender. And this was, I think it's a very, I think it's a very old movie. It's got uh, Judy Dench and Maggie Smith as sisters who live, I think it seems like maybe in Cornwall uh, on the beach in, you know, basically, I guess it's England. And um, there's a shipwreck and this guy washes up and they nurse him back to health and they, it takes a while to find out who he is and um, he turns out he's this musician who's amazing and it's it was just uh, and you know there's little conflicts and it was very cute so I very much uh, enjoyed that so yeah that's a lot of TV for me <laughs> so I'll put some just the names in the show notes and if you're interested you can go check those out so um, let's wrap this up with a little homemaking so I am continuing on with this idea, and I encourage you ever so much, uh, if you are interested at all, in tackling little nagging things around the house. I think this is the third podcast in a row I've talked about it because, honestly, it is such a thrill. So the nagging um, tasks around the house that I tackled since last we spoke, um, one of them is I had a lamp rewired. I redid our family room in the fall, in the, like with the whole cozy minimalist, uh, style and, and lightened the whole thing up. I had a black iron lamp in there and I, um, ended up getting a, like kind of a white ceramic lamp with a linen shade just from Target. And it was a very inexpensive lamp, but unlike the more expensive lamp that it replaced, it just was a single switch. Um, and we were used to having a three-way in that place. And it's very nice because in the morning, it's very nice to just have that kind of low light on. But when I am, for instance, binding, I could use a little bit more light. And so it was kind of bugging me. And we have this little repair place in a neighboring town. And it was going to cost about $35 to to have it turned into a three-way. 
And considering that that lamp cost about 20 bucks, I thought that was kind of a deal to, to get that fixed. And then, um, also I have this very nice, really big round clock that after the time change, I think that Ben and I did not get it hung up quite properly. And then just one day as I was dusting, I dusted the top of it and I walked away and probably 30 minutes later, there was this huge crash. And I, I think that when we hung it up, it wasn't quite secure. And that dusting of it just moved it a little bit and just spent 30 minutes slowly sliding off the screw. Ugh. And it just broke my heart because I love this, this lamp, but, and it didn't work once I, I, um, you know, swept up the glass and everything, but I just took it to the repair place. And I think it's going to cost like $30 or $40 to just replace the, the mechanism in it. And I'm very happy to have it back because it was kind of an expensive clock. It was like from Ethan Allen, even though I think it was kind of a second or a floor model or something, but I've realized how used to having a lamp right there I am because I look there a hundred times a day. It's in my office and sewing area. So I'll be very glad to have that back. So anyways, uh, that's too much detail on the things that I had fixed. But anyways, just um, I encourage you to make a little list of those little things that are bugging you and just start knocking off really one a month. You could have 12 of them done in a year, but I'm a little inspired to get it done. So I'm trying to do like one a week right now. Um, so that's the first thing. And uh, the other thing I just wanted to talk to you about, uh, this has to do with the schedules is I, um, my work schedule has kind of changed. I've taken on more clients and um, I used to do this thing where I would work kind of long days, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I was free on Tuesdays, Thursdays to kind of do what I wanted to do. It's not really working for me anymore. So that's why, you know, you just got to look at these routines and change them up. So I actually sat down one morning and made myself like a block schedule. And I just, I figured out little time things and worked backwards. Like I want to be at my desk working by 8.30 every morning. So then I just back that up to... You know, I can sit around and have coffee and do my devotions and stuff till seven. And then I go for my walk. And then by 745, I need to be getting dressed and having breakfast so that I can, you know, be working by 830. So and that's kind of working pretty well because I can actually get really lazy and sit there with my coffee. You know, my kids are either in college or Ben is out before 7 a.m. So nobody needs me in the morning and I'm self-employed. So I can sit there with my coffee and and Instagram and Facebook, and it's two hours later before I know it. And so I, I need to kind of get a handle on that. So now, um, so yeah, I've got my little morning routine needs to be done by 8.30. I work till my paid work until 12. And then after lunch, um, I've got this period of about three hours where I can podcast. I'm podcasting in the afternoon, which I don't usually do. I can work on my blog. I can do the little household management tasks of, you know, going to the bank or calling the insurance. I can have coffee with a friend. It's like, this is my time to get things done or do things for myself, depending on the day. And then I'm leaving myself um, about an hour to an hour and a half, starting at 3.30 or 4. I'm still kind of tweaking it. That's why I'm a little shaky here. Uh, to do my clean, my chore of the day. That's the clean mama system. So one day it's clean the bathrooms. One day it's uh, sweep the floors. One day it's dust. Um, knock that out. It does not take long. Um, 15 to 20 minutes. And... Um, and then that's about, that's taking me up to about four o'clock where 
Then I just do my homemaking things. Um, I fold the laundry that I got going earlier. I get the kitchen ready to make dinner. I deal with the mail, that kind of stuff. So I'm giving myself an hour to an hour and a half to kind of attend to the homemaking side of things. And that makes me happy because sometimes I get really into, I get out of balance. I get really into work and I'm working straight up till five o'clock. And then it's all of a sudden time to make dinner and the laundry's still in the washing machine. And I'm realizing that I haven't swept the floor in days and it's just making me feel uncomfortable. So, um, I'm just kind of trying this whole like blocking out time to do things. Just like today, I was kind of like, oh, I feel like I should I should work some more hours. But I'm like, no, you did your hours. Go do your podcast. So it just kind of, um, it seems like maybe it's restricting, but really it's freeing because I can spend these little blocks in the way that, you know, kind of makes sense to me. So anyways, it just might be a good time as we're going into spring to kind of look at your routines. Are they working for you? Do they need a little tweaking? You know, that kind of thing. So... Um, so that is about it. I do have um, one person I wanted to thank for a review, Sharon Dows. Um, Dawes. I'm going to say Dawes. Um, thank you very much for your kind review. I uh, appreciate it. And I would encourage you that if you enjoy the podcast to um, to rate it, review it, you know, mention it to friends. It's um, we're, we're getting together quite a community. It's growing. And I really, I really appreciate you guys and the, and the positive feedback that I get from you. That's it for this week. Thanks for spending this time with me. I really appreciate it. I just hope that you have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time.